my father approached me and just said, Joss, you're looking so itchy. I can see you are. <laughs> so you're happy, but you're you not the fingers that so are twitching. happy. <laughs> you need your wine, don't you? And I was yeah. like, yeah, it would be phenomenal, Dad. Hello, my name is David Clark, and welcome to the Ex Animo podcast, where we tell the stories of South African wine, both new and old. We are interested in where we are today and how we got here and where we can go in the future. Although there is no hard and fast rules about the content we post, mostly the podcast consists of long-form interviews with key figures in the South African wine industry or whoever we find interesting. We may venture off this track occasionally when we think the content warrants it. Today on the podcast, we have Jocelyn Wilson, a winemaker and owner of Hogan Wines, based in the Banhook area of Stellenbosch. I chatted to Joss a few months ago, sort of late 2021, uh, ahead of the release of her new vintages later this month in January 2022. But the conversation, and it really is a conversation rather than a formal interview, isn't really about the new wines. I really wanted to get Jossie's story on record. She's one of the producers in South Africa that has been termed, or part of the, uh, the group of producers in South Africa that has been termed the new wave. Uh, her journey to this point is a really interesting one. Uh, it was an interesting story, and I wanted to explore that with her in a long-format conversation. If you're interested to dive deeper into the Hogan wines specifically, do not despair. We do spend the second half of the podcast chatting fairly comprehensively about the wine she produces. Uh, we also touch on a range of other topics as we go through. A little caveat here, Ex Animo distributes Hogan wines in South Africa. This just means that we love Joss and all that she does. She's a proper legend, as they say. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, in the meantime, I give you Jocelyn Wilson. I'm here with Jocelyn Wilson. Hi, Joss. How are you? I'm good, Dave. Yeah, good to be here with you. Are we... Yeah, where are we? We're sitting. We are sitting in my sitting room and we are sitting in the dark, thanks to ESCOM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bit of load shedding. Yeah, it's like no tricky. electricity. New curveball that we've been thrown. There you are. And where is, uh, where is your sitting room? We are in Banuk, so bottom of the Zeevan Rafirin Pat, so right at the back of the Banuk Valley. Okay. Um, in proximity uh, with other wine farms, quite close to Oldenburg, okay. Bartini's up on the other side of the mountain. So, yeah. so Stellenbosch. Stellenbosch, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, almost like, I don't want to say the back end of Stellenbosch because that seems a bit rude, but that's kind of what yeah. it is. It's sort of like the, the back room of Stellenbosch, like mm. before it becomes Franchuk or what's Yeah, the, the fancy back room. The fa- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the velvet curtain, the velvet rope at there the front. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did you end up here? So I um, met my husband in 2003 while studying at uh, Stenbosch University. Mm-hmm. And we met in this tiny little pub called Daka, which is the second oldest pub in the country. Daka. Daka, yeah. which means the acorn in, yes. in Afrikaans. Yeah. And never quite thought I'd meet my husband in a pub, but it's just, <laughs> just, it just so worked life out. Has a, life way. has its own mission yeah. sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> no, and subsequently we, we have met a couple of other people who've met their spouses in Dhaka. So, for example, a gentleman called Eric Saga. Okay. Um, so, Aikendal, he, he met his South African wife at Dhaka. Mm-hmm, okay. And yeah, we always have a, a laugh about it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so, so met in 2003 and I finished my degree 2004 okay. and then we were married 2008. Okay. Yeah. But how did you end up in Stellenbosch? Because you're not from Stellenbosch. Yeah, quite, quite, quite a long story. So that's to take you back in Hogan and getting into into wine. It mm. um, started when I was 14 years old. Oh, and wow, that's early. Yeah, pretty early. Mm. Um, loved concept of gardening, soil, it's something inherited from my grandmother who just absolutely from Natal. She grew up in Moy River and was a tough old Tani, you know, rode her horse to work, you know, had her own cow, you know, made her own butter. Just, I love that about her, you know, she's mm. a really... And Moy River is in the, the highlands, is it? Or Correct. is it, yeah, yeah. so it's inland, yeah. sort of almost towards Lesotho? Yeah, kind of, of, on the way to yeah, Lesotho. Yeah, sort yeah. of, yeah, okay. That, that region, mm. and was really inspired by this, this grandmother of mine, where she could just you know, take a cutting, a slip of anything, and just grow it, you know, just had yeah. a really, really green fingers, so... Mm. Observed that as a child and loved that, and so sort of was thinking along the lines of a career in botany, soil, something outdoors. I just knew I could not be stuck in an office in an eight to five. Yeah, it just right. was not me. Not a, not a cubicle yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. Also, a lot of sport. I've played tons of sport in my life, so I love being outdoors. So that was sort of a, a starting point, and then spent some time when I was fourteen um, in Franschhoek, 
Bokunets Cliff. So there have been a lot of people in my career I'm really grateful to for mm. just sort of time spent and who. Well, what were you doing at Bokunets Cliff at 14? Bokunets, yeah. That seems like a, uh, a young age to be, <laughs> to be uh, cruising yeah, around yeah, there, yeah. Yeah. punching down some um, Sira ferments. Or? Yeah. Um, so my father was best friends with Mark Kent's father. Okay. So they worked in FMCG. Um, throughout South Africa, um, selling Lion Match, strangely enough. They, um, so they'd go to various conferences and travel the world and, and sell these various lines and we were really good friends. And at the time, Mark was setting up uh, Borkenotes Cliff. He had just finished at Elsenburg and planting vineyards and just a lot was going on on the farm. Yeah. So um, winemaking wise, not much was happening, but just having spent a bit of time with Mark over that week and my dad and I was just blown away by the concept of, you know, I love plants, I love soil botany and now you've got a plant where you can encapsulate what that plant has experienced in a year mm. and and the preceding years will also obviously mm. tell um, through what's in the bottle. I just adored that concept. I thought yeah, this is like right taking here. botany to another level, right. like encapsulating. So it's more about capturing nature the experience and, and of the plants. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, okay. um, so it started there and I was like, I really, really like this, this idea and chatted to Mark a little bit and he said, wow, where, where do you recommend? Where do you start? And um, I was playing a lot of tennis at the time, mm. considering even turning professional at the age of 16. So there was another yeah, thing that you, was coming you got, into play. You got, you got like a scholarship, didn't you? Yeah, so yeah. I went over to Texas um, yeah. after high school and, and played a year of tennis there, which was great. Yeah. But went to the training camps in Florida and spent some time training there. And at 16, I had to make a call, you know, am I going to leave South Africa and join one of these training camps right. and you know, play seven hours a day and give it a shot at yeah, going right. pro? And, and sort of relocate to the US yeah, sort of almost US. permanently. And because that sort of was the only way to get to the, to the pros, I would have Totally, or join some academy in Spain or wherever yeah, where okay. you, you're training those sort of hours. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of how it works. Decided against it, which I think was um, a wise decision. Um, academic, how did you make that decision? Yeah, you know, it's a, it cost, first of all, it, mm. it's, it's a factor. Mm. Um, my folks were prepared to go ahead uh, with the option, mm -hmm. but um, are you leaving your family academically? Uh, the programs aren't great, your high school programs, to be honest. It's, you're only doing sort of four hours of school a day oh, if right. you want to play seven hours of tennis. You yeah, know? So I see. Yeah, the yeah. high school qualification wasn't fantastic. So yes. academically, if I wanted to keep doors open, yeah, okay. there, was, there was a big factor. So it was almost like a one way, one way, like yeah, a turnstile. Yeah, you know, you, you, like you're, you're focusing in, on sport, okay. not academics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there was another role and also being the first of, of four girls. So it's like oldest, sending your uh, okay. first child off to the States, you know, <laughs> yeah, what, right. who knows yeah. what's going to happen. So as a family decided against it and I finished my high school years in the Eastern Cape and from there didn't want to give up on the tennis because like so much time and effort has been put into it. Mm. Um, looked at options to study uh, winemaking in the States. I was the, the goal. All oh, right. Why, in, why the States? Um, because I wanted to tie in the, the tennis. Oh, I did, was hoping did, I could okay, so do maybe, a tennis maybe, scholarship and maybe have get to do my winemaking. Yeah. Okay. So there are, geez, I think, only two universities that offer a full degree now. In, at, at the time, in 2000, when I went over, it was only UC, Fres uh, sorry, UC Davis that, yeah. that offered the BSc. I think UC Fresno now offers a, a BSc, a full degree in it as well. Okay. Um, and, and looked around and, and just, it, it was almost impossible to combine four to five hours of tennis on a scholarship with a full um, BSc. Um, and it's prac orientated, so it's hours in the field, and that's you know, contesting with, with playing yeah, tennis. So yeah, again, again, again the tennis is just sort of not working, you know. Mm. Um, but regardless, I went over and went to university in Texas because I, I wanted to experience, you know, just a different university, a different country yeah, yeah. and um, culture. That's a phenomenal opportunity. Definitely a different culture in Texas. <laughs> yeah. It was it was great fun. So I just did a straight BSc agriculture. Okay. And was hoping to maybe transfer over to one of these other universities or um, colleges that, that could offer something. Um, mm. I was hoping something would come to light, but it mm. just wasn't working out. Yeah. I got badly injured and oh. that was just sort of a, a sign that I, I needed a change to okay. yeah, yeah. So 2001 um, came back and started my degree yeah, at Stellenbosch. So. Okay. And did you have any sort of credits or did you have to stay start from Certainly scratch? Not. No, they okay. don't give you any credits. Yeah. Okay. There's no alignment with their subjects yeah, right, and okay. our subjects. And first year, um, of your studies in the States. Mm. It's a lot of elective subjects, like, which was quite fun because we did things mm. like sociology, uh, poli-sci, mm. philosophy. And then I think the hope is that you will discover other things coming straight out of high school Yes, uh, that could inspire you along a, a different degree path if you're uncertain about your, your choice, Yes, which I think is quite wise, but yeah. I wasn't doing what I needed to do for a straight BSc. Oh. Yeah. So growing yeah. up in the Eastern Cape and then going to university, well, obviously Texas, then back to Stellenbosch. But Stellenbosch at that time was 100% Afrikaans, 100 Afrikaans tutoring. Oh, Did you speak Afrikaans growing up? 
No, didn't speak, but could understand fairly okay. well. And playing tennis. You have um, some comprehension, I must say. Tennis is, I'd say, predominantly Afrikaans. I'd say there aren't many people in uh, South Africa. Okay, yeah, is it? Okay, uh, English speaking that. who play. I'd right. say it's probably 70% Afrikaans, let's put it that uh, way. Okay. So, in, through coaching and just my peers in tennis, I, my Afrikaans was, was pretty decent. Okay. Enough to get by and do a degree with. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, How is that? Was it, did you, was it, uh, it's, because I couldn't imagine at all doing a, degree in a second language it's, at all. Yeah, it's so, quite intense. Yeah. So, so your notes um, are in, in English in your textbooks. Yes. So uh, ones produced by the university are translated into English. Okay. So that option is there, but all your um, lecturing is in Afrikaans. Yes. So, and all the assessments, I'm assuming? Or do you, can uh, you... No, 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 English. Oh, okay. I mean, for, for them to expect you to write um, no, this is what full I'm essays yeah, yeah, okay, in your right. second language would be really, really tricky. Okay. Um, so you could write your exams in English. And, okay, so just um, the lecturing, it's in, in Just the lecturing, yeah. Obviously, and, uh, and the after work brandies, after, <laughs> after, after school brandies. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we had an Italian girl um, from mm. Verona um, in our class, yeah. Valeria Panseri, and she continued to work at the university afterwards. Yeah, right. And she managed. Um, yeah. Really, really amazing how mm. flexible and uh, she was, you know, to be able Very to. Very cool. You, seem, you seem like you would be a good student. Joss, you seem mm. they have that sort of personality type where you, you're quite, you know, you're quite focused and you're quite, uh, yeah, you're quite measured, yeah. you're quite exact. I think I, I would think that your workbooks were quite neat. Not necessarily neat, <laughs> but I, I, I did the hours. I, I'm true to my Virgo nature. Mm. I'm a little bit OCD at times. Yeah, right. Like my, <laughs> like my ducks in a row, but yes. uh, something I learned quickly. You know, like the, the boys uh, studying with us were like. What are you doing? You know, you get over fifty-five percent. You're studying too hard. Yeah. <laughs> you're not studying hard enough. Like fifty-two yeah. is yeah. just enough. And yeah, you've got yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the balance perfectly right of student life. The, the, the price for so. second versus you know just passing the same. You know, okay. you still get the same. Yeah. You still get the same uh, no, certificate. I didn't cut it that fine yeah. as the boys, but I learned from there. And I was like, no, no, you actually got to enjoy this journey yeah, too. Right. It's not okay. just all about. And obviously, you'd already spent a year away from family and stuff mm. in Texas, so it wasn't a sort of a big cultural shock to. Come and because no, you're obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. in Rez, I would assume. Yeah. 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 So you stayed in a sort of, for those who don't know what Rez is, it's sort of like almost like a big dormitory. Like a big boarding house. Yeah, yeah a big so boarding yeah, house. Yeah. yeah. And that's for, a huge part of yeah. um, the culture of uh, university in, in yeah. South Africa. So yeah. if you can experience the residence, it, uh, you get a really good feeling um, for the university. And it seems like one of the bases for, I mean, now that I've been here, what, eight years, it seems like a lot of the basis for the camaraderie within the wine industry is that sort of that time at, because I mean, there's not many, uh, there's Elsenberg and then there's Stellenbosch. So mm -hmm. every, every, everybody, not everybody, the vast majority of winemakers and viticulturists, you know, studied together and maybe, and maybe even lived together. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems, it seems to me that that is one of the reasons why South African wine is so sort of cohesive, it seems, in, with, the, with the people at least. You know, it is a, it is a, we're, we're, we're better together than when we are separately. And the yeah. fact that, you know, there are only so many institutions where you can study, yeah, as yeah. you're saying. So, yeah. um, so everyone's forced into the same farms. Yeah, so yeah. you'll start out with like BSc Agriculture, just possibly 150, 200 students, mm. of which 70 maybe started in BSc Winemaking, mm -hmm. reduced down to about 30, you actually end up qualifying. End it, yeah, okay. Yeah. So not necessarily because they they flunk out, they they might just, just venture into a different yeah, yeah, sphere yeah. of, of yeah. agriculture. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a fantastic degree, a okay. really holistic. Um, cool, cool, cool. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so, were you a year older than everybody else then? Or? Yeah. So by yeah, that okay. stage, yeah, yeah. So I was nineteen, um, okay. and a couple of other guys. Um, uh, Peter Allen Finlayson had done a gap year. That's right, yeah. Um, Chris Allight as well, mm -hmm. matriculated same year as me, but also did the gap year route. Mm -hmm. So. Um, yeah, but it's uh, just a year's difference. It's, it's yeah, not okay. much. You know, there were a couple of other people older in their mid thirties coming in and doing a second degree or mm -hmm. um, changing careers completely and coming into winemaking. So yeah. quite a few of those sort of students too. Okay, yeah. cool. And so you finished your degree. What year are we now? We're now two thousand and one to two thousand and four. Okay, yeah. right. And so yeah. end of two thousand and four. What's mm -hmm. the what's the plan? Here plan for, from there. For Jocelyn. So <laughs> Wilson, no, Hogan. Hogan, Hogan. Hogan. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to the, uh, stage, I always yeah. get it backwards, I always try to have to think and say, okay. so yeah, Jocelyn Hogan in 2004, what was she like? Yeah, so wanted to travel. Okay. And um, teamed up with one of my classmates, Chris Baustred from Remhochter. So the idea was I would sort out an overseas harvest, southern hemisphere, he'd do northern hemisphere. So mm -hmm. I organised an incredible spot, uh, Margaret River, mm -hmm. and we completed our harvest in 2015 there, yeah. sorry, uh, 2005, um, and then we we're going to go... Where, where in Margaret River did Margaret you? Margaret River, so Watershed is okay. the name of yeah, um, yeah. the estate, so quite big volume, um, 
a really, really good experience for, from a volume point of view, but yes. still good quality. So yeah, a lot of different varietals. So we saw a lot, which was yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, we're going to head to Le Bon Pasteur um, in France um, with Michel Roulon. So mm -hmm. at the time, he was a consultant to Remhoechter for Chris oh, Passeret's family. Okay. So there was a connectivity there. Yeah. But after my and four... And that, uh, that time he was the viticultural de rigueur. He was the man. Yeah, he was yeah. the man. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. So it would have been an incredible experience, but didn't quite happen. I'll explain mm. why. Okay. So back to Dhaka, the pub, mm. and, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and me too. A bit of a trend developing here, Josh. Oh just. my goodness, yeah. Sure, not intentional. <laughs> um, I don't think anything at Dhaka is intentional, no, is it? It's all like a like happy or sad accident. in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I had met my husband basically at the, in 2003 and mm. completed the harvest in uh, Margaret River and mm. missed him terribly. It was very serious at the time mm. and decided against France and that all I'd right. come look for work here in South Africa. Okay. Um, all for love, huh? Yeah, all for mm. love. <laughs> so went to a couple of interviews and uh, got the job at Flagstone Winery in Somerset West okay. as assistant winemaker. Mm -hmm. Fantastic opportunity. Um, yeah, right. Bruce Jack, dynamic when did, when did Flagstone start? When, was, that, was, that, um, was it sort of mid-90s? I'd say about mid-90s, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very hazy. Yeah, no, no, it's, even yeah. I, it's, it's a little a bit further yeah. back. Um, Possibly even early 90s okay. conception because so it started in. So it was, a, it was a really like going concern by the time you got there, yeah. sort of, you know, 12, potentially 12 or so years after it started. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So, I mean, it initially started in the VNA waterfront underneath in the tunnels, um, yeah, which is right. pretty cool. Mm. Um, the, the concepts and thinking has always been innovative and doing mm. fun things. So, in joining in 2005, mm. I mean, Bruce was playing with up to sort of 20 different varietals. Yes. And there weren't many people doing that. And the concept of buying in grapes from various different sites um, mm -hmm. all over the place. Uh, I mean, as, as far as um, Sutherland, he would you'd get grapes from that sort of area. What is the, the little town next door again, Dave? It's uh, close to Sutherland. Oh, artsy, fartsy town, little Swartberg Pass, that region there. Oh, no, no, no. Um, anyway, so, so yeah. he would get grapes from as far afield as that, John. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was there for about a year and a half and mm. the opportunity came to come for an interview for um, Libris and Franchuk. Mm -hmm. And very grateful for that. Uh, went uh, through for, for a couple of interview sessions and mm -hmm. got the job. So that was quite quick to move, but uh, I didn't uh, preempt that it would happen so fast. Mm -hmm. So moved over 2007 was my first harvest there. Fantastic opportunity too, because that was um, general manager position, we built a cellar from scratch and... There's a lot of responsibility for someone... Yeah, I was pretty who, young at like, the time, eh? In yeah. terms of, but not necessarily just young, but just inexperienced in, you know, it's not like it came from five, ten years in the industry. It seems like a job for someone who's maybe done it before and, you know, and then wanted to change lanes rather than someone new to the industry. Absolutely. Set something up. Um, How did so, that work? So the owner of Libri at the time, a gentleman, Robin Hamilton, mm. so he started Spalletta um, drinks. So. Mm. In a very open-minded, free-thinking, um, I think he just wanted to take a chance on someone with yeah, right. a, I mean, lots of energy, um, yes. super passionate about what I was doing, and had all great ideas uh, for Libri. It was yeah, small, yeah, only okay. 25 hectares, estate wine, so yes, manageable, okay. so not yeah, big, yeah. big tonnages. So you saw potential, obviously, in you and, and sort yeah, of energy enjoyed and my commitment and, yeah, okay. and was prepared to and take a gamble. And talent as well. Thanks, yeah, Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I say, incredible experience. He was such a great mentor. I spent a lot of time with me. So from a business point of view, <laughs> was there you know, every step of the way. Would, would yeah, come down flat on every month from Durban and spend time with me uh, mm -hmm. strategically making decisions. So yes, okay. he, he had the time to mentor me. Yeah, the okay, process, well, that's cool. That's awesome. Which was really, yeah. really great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, to give me enough freedom to design labels from scratch, to have my say in how the cellar was, was yeah, set out. What an I mean, amazing opportunity. Amazing. I yeah. mean, to have a dedicated tank for each block. I mean, I've never been in an opportunity where you don't have to worry about turning a tank around. Yes, yes. If okay. you want to do extended maceration for as long as you like, a month, whatever. Yes, that's, yeah, that's, okay. you, so there's no, no compromises in that sort of situation. So for quality, yeah. there was absolutely no compromise. So mm. that, was, that was fantastic, yeah. Amazing. Um, so that took me up until 2009. So what, four vintages, three no, vintages? No, no, uh, seven, eight, nine. So three vintages. Three, yeah. It wasn't very long either. Yeah, okay. um, but, but by that stage, married and um, mm -hmm. we'd had our first child, wanted to have the second child and mm -hmm. just, just finding this quite tricky with needing to now travel overseas for the brand. Yeah. Um, having a bit, little little children, um, so quite a hands-on. Cheap, 
chief marketing officer, uh, head of production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. It was, it was chief designer. Yeah, but I, I realised I just I, I wasn't managing. You know, yeah. with um, having a second child. Yeah. So I think the wise decision uh, in hindsight now I think it was a very wise decision was to take a bit of sabbatical, mm-hmm. um, spend some time with the kids and just reassess where I'm going and what mm-hmm. I want to do with my career. Mm-hmm. So that was. 2010, I, I came back and consulted a bit. Um, Maurice Lauterkhan took over. He came in from Morgenstadt. Mm-hmm. Then subsequently, um, Irene from Grand Beck, she moved in. And so I spent a lot of time with them and I'd come in when they needed me just to just to help and you know, different concepts and how the winemaking had evolved. So, but my husband brought me in and I got involved in our farm where we do uh, plums, pears, apples and proteas. Mm-hmm. So quite a wide array of things we do on our family farm here in Bannock. Mm-hmm. And he needed help on the protea front and wonderful. So I had two, three hours in the morning. Uh, we did cuttings of various different uh, protea varietals, played with blushing brides, pincushions, king proteas. So cool. it was almost a part of my degree that I hadn't tapped into. We, we yeah, did a right. huge okay. amount of plant pathology yes. in the degree. Um, and then it obviously it's focused in one direction, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and you kind of like forget about that con- concept when you head into wine. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was lovely to use those skills. Uh, we planted five hectares of pincushions, blushing brides and uh, kings. Um, in that that time, and these are all types of proteas. All different types of proteas, okay. yeah. And, for, and is that different sizes or just different types? I mean, just, just different types, okay. completely, yeah. Yeah. Um, for export, predominantly export market. So that was lovely too to get my my hands dirty and back to my whole botany and, and growing things. I yeah. love that. But then by 2013, but, my, and you, sorry to interrupt, mm. but you, obviously there's plums here as well. There's other fruit here. Did you get involved in that at all? Not so much. Not so much? Okay. It, was, it was more the um, the, the nursery and cuttings yeah, okay. and yeah, yeah proteas. My father approached me and just said, Joss, you're looking so itchy. I can see you are. <laughs> so you're happy, but you're you not the finger sort of so twitching. happy. Yeah. You need your wine, don't you? And I was yeah. like, yeah, it would be phenomenal, Dad. Um, and by the stage, you know, the kids were you know, over the two-year-old, the terrible twos, and you're yeah, feeling yeah, like yeah. you're finding your feet. It's a bit more manageable. Yeah. A bit more manageable. So he said, oh, come on, let's maybe do something together. It always been on the back burner that I might do my, my own thing, but I, I didn't expect it to happen that soon. Yeah, but I right. thought, oh, why not? Let's just. So, so you left you left Libri with the plan of eventually getting back into wine. It wasn't. D- sort of like I wasn't. A, I wasn't sure if it was going to be my own. Would I yeah, go back into working for yeah, something yeah. else? But I, yeah. eventually, it would be back to wine. And then my dad sort of ignited the spark of let's just work with two tons or just mm. give it a go and yeah. throw caution to the wind and just see where it takes us. So, um, well, the idea was always Shannon for me. Mm. Um, it's been a variety that I, I loved making while I was at Flagstone. I uh, didn't have the opportunity to work with it while in uh, Libri and Franschuk. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd identified some some spots in um, the Swartland that yep. I wanted to work with. And meanwhile, some of your classmates at um, Sullenbosch were just starting to make their own labels Absolutely, as well. Yeah. Make, their own, you know, make their own names, I suppose, as well. Fair enough, sort of, yeah. Know, Chris and, and Peter Allen. And so I think they're sort of out yeah. of the blocks around about 2011, I Ish, think, 2010, 2011, yeah, just before yeah. me. So yeah, that's also something that ignited it. Obviously, my peers were getting into it and doing yeah, their yeah. own labels. And I'm like, why not? Let's mm. give it a bash. It was a good time to start as well, mm. especially in, in Swatland, because there were only a few people dabbling and playing with their own labels at that stage. Um, obviously, as you know, there are now a lot of independent labels in the yeah, Scotland, yeah, yeah. yeah, particularly Shannon. Um, so the, the viticulturist at Libri at the time, a, a gentleman, Claude Uren, mm-hmm. he was from Malmesbury and knew the sites really, really well of the Scotland. He very kindly took me to a couple of spots and we looked at maps and I was like, I need cool slopes. I, mm-hmm. I want to go through full mallow. It's always been a bit of a philosophy of mine where mm-hmm. I don't like to stop the process of mallow. If the wine wants to go through it uh, biochemically, mm-hmm. I feel it should. Yes. I don't want a sterile filter. I, I don't like tampering. So I'd rather the process happens. Mm-hmm. The wine is in its most stable format when it goes through mellow, in my, my opinion. So in order for this to happen, you have to have cool slopes, particularly in Swatland. To go through mellow, lose all this acidity off the process, you want to maintain freshness. So it looked at maps, south, southeast facing slopes. What farms can we work with? Mm-hmm. And with Claude's help, we managed to find the farm Eitvecht, approach the farmer, and all the wine was, all, sorry, all the grapes were going to the cooperative. So to try to get those two tons released wasn't easy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but eventually um, we managed to get them released. We offered the farmer four times the price of what he was getting from the cooperative. Okay. And yeah, obviously he's excited about this concept. Eight years down the line, that farm is now 90% independently sourced, which is fantastic for the farmer. Yeah. Makes sustainable sense for, for him, for everybody. Yeah, yeah probably. And be, being farmed. Probably, it'll probably be a sand mine or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. For, for a long time, that whole area was yeah. heading that way, sadly. Yeah. First vintage, 2014, of Hogan um, Shannon. I vinified at Libri, where I worked previously, and... Called in a few favours. 
Yeah, I got, <laughs> Irene was there. She's a dear friend. She studied with me and understood my philosophy in winemaking. And obviously I knew the seller very well. So it was a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, was blown away by the fruit mm-hmm. and what we made. Uh, it was a big jump too, because I switched completely to natural ferment. Whereas in previous jobs, you know, you're dealing with up to 20 tons of grapes and you, you can't stuff up. You, you've got to yeah, calculate. It's, it's, it's someone else's money. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. totally yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, go back to my Virgo, my OCD. Mm. <laughs> I want to control. You, you want to control, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this, this was a big jump. So but why me. did you make that decision then? I, you know, chatting to peers too. Okay. Try, just like the textural components, the um, complexity as opposed to one dimensionality of yeah. inoculated yeast. The quality of the outcome was worth the potential it Definitely risk. worth the risk. So I thought, yeah. I've only got five barrels. Let's... Let's give us a go. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we had a bit of rot that year in 2014. There was sporadic rain yeah. through the year, so that had me. You've got a wet um, ripening season, wasn't it? It, it yeah. was. Yeah, it was a tricky ripening season. Um, but in being cool, I had fantastic acidity uh, mm-hmm. that year. So it was a good year to try this whole process of, of yes. natural, and I've got lots of acid, so I'm not going to be adding much sulfur. So mm-hmm. really, really good pHs that year. I was blown away by the complexity and, and depth of flavour that was achieved mm-hmm. by natural ferment. Mm-hmm. I think I was on the phone to... So just, sorry, just to yeah. break it down, that 2014 wine, because mm-hmm. it's quite interesting, because then I'm going to ask you about how you're making the wines now and see mm-hmm. if there's, you know, what sort of nuance and, and, and things you've made. I mean, yeah. Was it a whole bunch of press situation straight, yeah. into, straight into barrel, or did you into tank and then let it settle, or what's the... Okay, so not too much has changed mm-hmm. since then. Always whole bunch press. Mm-hmm. In whole bunch pressing, you maintain your pH. As soon as you crush affects potassium and it'll affect your pH. Um, so from whole bunch pressing, um, gentle, gentle pressing, we settle roughly overnight. Okay. And from there to barrel, a natural ferment takes about a month. And from there we top up the barrels. It'll see it's after mallow, it'll get its first self around about um, July. Mm-hmm. And leave in contact with the gross leaves as long as possible. As soon okay. as I start picking up a bit of reductiveness or an over-reductive character, I'll, I'll put it off the grossly. Okay. So, Have you uh, not, you know, are you not batonizing that to no, try? I'm, and, I'm okay. not keen on a, on okay. a, a batonage feel. It's, it's more just with reductiveness that I, I yeah, might yeah. give a bit of a batonage, and that's, mm. that's more just to, to clean up. And so that hasn't changed essentially from 14 to 20? or No, it hasn't changed okay. much. The only thing that has changed it's is confidence much, yeah. in, in leaving on the grosslies. So kind of in 14, like straight off to Mallow, I got it straight off the grosslies. I, oh, right, right. <laughs> I was a bit nervous of what was <laughs> yeah, going to happen. Okay. And, uh, it's, it, it is. It's, it's funky aromas during natural ferment. Yeah, it, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's, it's different. It's not as controlled, uh, the ferment jar. Um, but it doesn't ferment as aggressively, so you're not as mm-hmm. concerned about temperature control. You can kind of just yeah. let it be, which is great. I yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Which nice. is quite nice yeah, too. Cool. Sorry, I interrupted there, but uh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So back, yeah. So just back to a grosslies uh, component. I, I now try leave it, you know, right up to bottling if I can on mm. the. So I'm just ah, the layers that you get just through slow, slow autolysis of those grosslies is just fantastic. Mm. It really is, yeah. And so it was what, five barrels of the 2014, uh, two two fives. Yeah, two two yeah, fives yeah. at okay. that stage. I, I've tried to switch more to three hundreds. I've mm-hmm. played with the five hundred before, but I really love the. The ratio of the 300 tends yeah. to work quite well. So what, about 800 yeah. bottles or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a tiny, tiny yeah. day feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so but you, that got some, um, uh, you, you timed it well because there was Cape Wine 2015. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah. And that was sort of a breakthrough Cape Wine for South African wine in general, I think. You know, it really sort of, there was a, there was a bit of, it was a big difference between the one I came to in 06 or 07 to 2012, mm-hmm. but there was a big leap again from 2012 to 2015. And you were showing the 2014 at the 2015. Correct. Yeah. And then Divergent, uh, barrel sample of, of Divergent. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was uncertain, you know, I was, I was a newbie, you know, should I show my wines at something like Cape Wine? And I'm, mm. I'm really chuffed that I did. And there was yeah. also thanks to Piers saying, uh, Chris and them saying, come on, you, you've got to, you know, get, get a little stand, put your name out there. Yeah, What's yeah. there to lose? The wines are great. They yeah, yeah. gave me a lot of confidence in what I was doing. So, it was the right decision. So cool, from cool. there, found importers connected with you, yeah. and yeah, I was we, on, we we yeah, first connected at Tech Wine, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, I think it was actually Chris Eilert. So I was sitting there chatting to him, and I said, oh, "Well, where should I go taste oh. around?" Because that was the the first Cape Wine I'd had after moving to South Africa. So we came to 2012, and then had the sort of the the genesis of the idea of Ex Animo. But then 2015, I think we sort of hit the next uh, the next sort of level after you know as these producers became, it's very hard to sell stuff that doesn't exist. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we have to wait for the winemakers to sort of, you know, and, and viticulturists and all that sort of stuff, although the whole chain to 
to get better before we put it out to the market. So yeah. And it happened cool. in leaps and bounds there um, after no, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't it's, believe it's exponentially. Exponentially, uh, exactly. It's the word I was going to use yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned divergent. So that's red blend, and obviously divergent is a bit of a a strange name for for a wine in terms of you know usually it's it's one of those things where I oh know this is our vision and it's usually you know um, a, a much more sort of what's the word um, aspirational. Uh, Definitely, yeah. yeah. Whereas yeah. divergent is sort of almost an admission, I guess. You yeah. know, like <laughs> that there wasn't a full control over yeah. the process, um, and and this is this is wine and this is life, um, yeah, yeah, where yeah. It, it is an evolving thing, and, yeah. and you must learn as you, you go along and learn from your mistakes. And mm. so, what was the divergent? Was it called divergent at that when it was in barrel sample or at the at Cape Wine Fifteen? No, no. It, it became the name came to me. When we had that barrel sample, um, I'd already put the blend together, if I'm yes. correct. Yeah. yeah. So 2015, when was that Cape Wine? September. Yeah, that September, was, October, correct, yeah. usually. In that, okay, so, yeah. so let's go back to Swatland Revolution 2014. Okay, so I had conceptual, first, conceptualized. First weekend of November, I think, It's usually. great, yeah. yeah. I had the concept together, I was going to work with Cab and I was going to work with Sinzo. Mm-hmm. Just adored the wines uh, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, where they worked with Cab and Sinzo, but declared mm-hmm. Cabernet on the bottle. Just yep. loved what the the Sinzo brought to the cap. Those old sort of Stellenbosch wines from yeah. yeah and just I, the longevity of those wines is pretty incredible. Yeah. So wanted to play with those two varietals. I'd found my Cabernet vineyard and my Sinzo vineyard, and in attending this Swatland Revolution tasting, and uh, that particular year, Serge Hosha from Chateau Mouzard was um, the guest, and I'd heard of his wines, hadn't tasted them, I'd heard they were phenomenal, quite controversial, and. Just meeting Serge and, and listening to this gentleman speak about his life in wine was just so inspirational. Uh, tasting his wines even more so because yeah. they're, antagon- they're antagonistic. Um, every vintage varies. His, his uh, philosophy and approach to wine is just so inspiring. Loved his stories that he tells and and that he hasn't got it all you know sorted out. Uh, yeah. You roll with the punches. You know they've uh, crashed grapes during civil war. Um, yeah. have, have all sorts of things thrown at them and they. They get through it and make a plan. Oh, but like us South Africans, we have to often just get through it and make a plan. <laughs> but right at the end of his tasting, he disclosed um, that he works with Cabernet Sauvignon Sinsir and Carignan. Mm-hmm. And Carignan was the one who was like, wow, I just absolutely adore what this component brings to the Cab and the Sinsir. Yeah, I understand right. Cab and Sinsir well, but I, I don't get Carignan and I can see what it's doing with these yeah, wines. Right. Had you worked with it at all or not? No, no I'd okay. never worked with it. But a family friend had been calling for 10 years while <laughs> saying, <laughs> He was out in Wellington and he was uh, making a, a Carignan Rosé quite successfully. It, mm-hmm. uh, it, it had some traction and people knew about the wine and spoke about it and said it was yeah. a, a decent rosé. But at the time, obviously at Debris, making estate wines, there was never the option to buy in, in grapes. And so I just said, yeah, Alex, right. I don't know, what am I going to do with Carignan? But yeah, it's yeah. just funny that there was this person in the background who had been calling me for years about Carignan. Yeah. And then meeting just, Serge. It just took you 10 years to catch up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then just right there and then at the, the revolution, I was like, I, I have to go back to that carrion. It's mm. just I've got to go find it and yeah, work right. with it and see what how it evolves and what I'm planning forward for mm. Hogan. So um, approached Alex and uh, that's at Velchent, the farm out there. Mm-hmm. And sadly, he had sold by that stage. New owners, but they were very happy to sell me the grapes. Okay. So in 2015, vinified the components separately, and and then towards uh, by Cape Wine, I think it was June, July. I'd put the uh, the blend together. I decided that. In adding this Carignan component, I just absolutely adored what it brought to the blend. You know, it's black Morello cherries, like a, a wild kind of feral in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a gamey component. It's a beautiful spice. It brings like an excitement to the wine. Absolutely, like, yeah, like yeah. an energy that the other two are like sort of more classic and they combine beautifully and then you get this wild child that, that you throw into it that's also beautiful acidity, so um, which would give longevity to the wine, what I could see a dark fruit too that you cannot, very, very black dark fruit that you cannot get from Cav, obviously red fruit from Sinzo. Yeah. But the marriage but th- there of There is those, an impenetrableness to that fruit. Totally, yeah, like it yeah. Kind of, yeah. A, a real energy to it. So adored what that brought. So worked with roughly a third, a third, a third, and I, I model it around that every year. Sometimes it, it normally is a little bit more Sinzo. That, that's what might vary from time to time if I'm finding the uh, Carignan too dominant. And is that an issue for you? I mean, Carignan is sort of seen as being a uh, quite an aggressive mm. uh, blending component. And a, th- a third seems like quite a lot yeah. on paper. Totally. Um, and then so, that, so that's when I'll, I'll boost my, my Sinzo component if I'm feeling it's, it's just yeah, overpowering yeah. the blend too much. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
and, it, and sometimes some years it takes quite a few years for the components to marry um, and it's, it's just a time thing and I'm learning as I'm going along yeah, with how yeah. to maintain that blend. Yeah. yeah. Blend was with me at Cape Wine. The reaction from most people there was fantastic and bottled and uh, haven't looked So what was the name before you diverged? No, no, and I, was just, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure, Dave. Okay, I, didn't, right. I didn't have a name and yeah, I right. was just... I was just so blown away by this path being so diverging. Like you have your plan, and you know, as a typical me, I'd stick to my plan. Yes. You know? <laughs> what the hell's happening? You, you draw the line under it nice yeah. and neatly, and that was done. You know, meeting yeah. this this crazy character Serge, who just so phenomenal, um, and I was just like completely diverged. Uh, couldn't believe I don't do that normally, so yeah, <laughs> sort right. of like I had to yeah. state that. Well, it's good. It's, I think it's good self-awareness that you can actually you know see that about yourself and then notice it that it's happened rather yeah. than. Yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes a, a divergence is a good thing, you know, and just yeah, yeah. not always following the, an mm. exact plan, you know. Yeah. What uh, have you, I mean, obviously, 15 was the first vintage. Mm -hmm. You've just. Which is a great vintage to launch. I mean, 15 yeah, yeah. was just so phenomenal in South yeah. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've just obviously come out, well, not just come out, but you've come out of the 21 vintage now. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's what, seven vintages? What, uh, what have you sort of what about it? Yeah, yeah. about those ones? Because you're getting the Cabernet from Polka Dry? Uh, yeah, and still. Uh, still from Polka Dry, yeah. a higher altitude site, about 400 metres, so um, very low tonnage. Mm. So I was looking for Cabernet. Quite an exposed sort Quite of Quite an style, exposed site, yeah. yeah. A lot of Syrahs grown around there, uh, Rhiannon, um, Lucas, they also, their Syrahs just around my, my cab. It, it really is a special site. Um, it is tricky at times because there is some virus in the block and obviously long-term planning. It's, it's for a lot of South African winemakers, it is tricky with yes. the virus and how are we going to manage it. And, mm. um, well, especially if you, it's not your vineyard. Totally. You, know, you have to sort of work with... With, with the farmer, the farmer. and yeah. sort of mm. just plan and, and do what we can to manage it. Um, mm. And eventually I think we, we will have to pull out and I might have to find a, a block elsewhere in, in the yeah, interim yeah. until it's ready again. Mm. But I'd like to stay with that particular site. It mm. delivers two to three tons a hectare, so tiny little berries. Yeah. Uh, the, the vines have to struggle quite a bit, yeah. but beautiful red fruit. It's more mm. red orientated than black. Mm. And to find cab in South Africa that you can pick at 13% alcohol is a rarity. So lovely, long, slow ripening. It's a pretty cool site as well. Um, lovely, cool ocean breezes that, that blow off. Um, so I can pick this at 13 alcohol and not get any greenness, which is yeah. very special for me. And and the fact that each varietal comes off like a month apart, so I get like a full month. Yeah, right. That's interesting varietal, as well. Yeah, because which, I mean the Sinso is from quite a warm spot, isn't it? I wouldn't, I, is it held very close to the sea too. Yeah, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah. So that is that has a, a huge mm. um, effect where it'll be up to 40 degrees in Stellenbosch and in that vineyard at picking time, it'll be between 25 and 30. So that, that's okay. a huge moderating effect. So when what's the first off then? First off is Carignan. So yeah, okay. in late January. Um, hot asperus bush vines uh, from Wellington. Those are about 17 years old, very well farmed. Does the Southeast even get into Wellington? Or is it? Uh, <laughs> very grateful they come off in January. It's sort of like yeah. a baking heat, huh? You, yeah. It's baking it. But the, the varietal suited to it. It, yeah, handles, works, it handles yeah. really well. So um, that vineyard's super. I'm very happy with how that Carignan is working out. A lot of people ask me, why don't you play with, with stems or a whole bunch on Carignan? Mm. It's just. Oh, the, the stalks are just translucent green oh. on, a, on a carignan. It's something I get very nervous about and at picking time and I'm picking a bit fresher. I'm not comfortable with, with using whole bunch yeah. on my carignan. We'll have to get you and Craig Hawkins together. There we go. And we can carignan it out. I mean, even on, and then the Sinzo from the Helderberg, 45-year-old block, um, so special and sharing that block with uh, Bernard Bradell, mm -hmm. Christy Lariche, and, and working with Bernie has just been so special with learning about um, cover cropping and, and his ideas of sustainable the farming. The rain man of the Helderberg. The rain man, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, he's there every day, his footsteps are through those vineyards. Yeah, I'm it pretty really sure is. he camps out there a couple oh, of times. So. Like, <laughs> sort of wakes up in the vines, yeah, yeah. says good morning to them. So I, yeah. I think he's really at the forefront of, of sustainable agriculture and finding ways to make it work for us South Africans. So I really admire him with, with that. Um, and the fact that, you know, we, we pick at totally different stages with that um, Sinzo yeah, right. and the interpretations of that old mm. old vine Sinzo um, with yeah. Christu picking it very ripe, me in the middle and Bernie, you know, super fresh. It's yeah. interesting seeing how the winemakers handle. Yeah. 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 So that's about 30% whole bunch, and that's mm -hmm. about as far as I'm going with my whole yeah, bunch. Okay. <laughs> but I, I love the energy it brings, and it's, the stalks are nice and ripe by the time I pick, so I'm comfortable. Yeah. And then Cab comes in around the first week of March. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a nice gap between each one of them. I'm yeah. not in a hurry. I can take my time with my decisions. 
really, really cool. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> and once it gets into the winery, what do you, I mean, everything's yeah. fermented separately and then blended back in? Around about, um, so I'll rack off um, mellow leaves uh, around about June, July, mm -hmm. and, and then re-look at it again in about August, yeah. blend around there, and okay. give it a couple of months to marry, bottle by December, January. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a fairly short time in barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a tricky decision too, you know. Um, yeah. Most would leave, especially cab, you know, yeah, through the next harvest yeah. and then look at taking it off. Yeah. But because of this fresh picking component and red fruit orientation, mm -hmm. I'm not after any wood tannin. I, I yeah. want brightness of fruit. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so by keeping it in older barrels much longer, I'm not really benefiting. I'd rather bottle and yeah. have the time in bottle. But I mean, obviously, um, South African Cabernet can be quite sort of herbaceous. Mm. Are you sort of frightened of that? Or are you embracing that? Or are you working I, I, sort of with it? What's the... I don't really find it in... Obviously, the virus worries me in, mm -hmm. in that, that block. And that's something we're going to have to keep our finger on the pulse if it starts developing herbaceous notes. But with this particular site, I'm not finding it. It's, I think the low tonnage, it's kind of like extreme viticulture. When I say these berries are super tiny, they, yeah. they get a lot of sunlight exposure. Okay. Canopy's not very large because it does struggle. Mm. I think that helps tremendously with, yeah. with preventing greenness in that particular block. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. cool. And the carignan will cover it up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> cool, so you made those two wines mm -hmm. uh, for a few years and then you've recently added a couple more. And it in 2018, yeah, so... More, more, yeah, more than a couple now. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah, 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 and the yeah. fifth one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to slow down a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's great. And I think all winemakers want to experiment and broaden their ranges, but you've also got to watch how much you broaden by to so you don't lose focus. Mm -hmm. um, I'd had a lot of success with uh, Chardonnay um, at Labrie in Franchuk. There's some beautiful Chard sites there, and I was privileged to work with a really good one there. So um, went searching for a couple of Chardonnay sites and um, sourced from Irlands Clough. Uh, a Bannock site quite close to Tolima and Zorfleet, just mm -hmm. uh, above those two farms. And um, also in the Helderberg, I brought in a portion where I sourced my Sinzo from. So I thought, vinify these components separately and, and find what I think suits Hogan the best. Mm -hmm. And it varies from year to year, which of these sites I use. And I just see how that vintage as well, that particular mm -hmm. geographical region is performing. And from that, make a decision of which components mm -hmm. or which geographical regions I'm going to use in that year. And Treated exactly the same with the, how I make the shinin, whole bunch and natural ferment, full mallow, so need cooler sites, and, and bottle about 11 months in barrel in total. And I've been very happy with, um, with how that shard's worked out. It's oh, on, the, yeah. on the fresher side too, my, my pickings. Um, it's about uh, ripeness, ripe fruit, but with enough acidity and crispness, and mm. not, not too serious a style. Yeah. Uh, it's priced you know, a little bit more accessibly than the, the shinin. I think it's been a great addition. Yeah. So, I mean, the Chenin is obviously a, a single vineyard expression, whereas Chardonnay is a, a multi, sort of almost multi-regional in some ways. It is, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and I prefer it that way. I just I, yeah. I thought so talk, possibly... Talk, talk to me about the thinking yeah. process between those two things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, looking at each of those sites I was dealing with with the Chard, alone, they just, there wasn't enough. It just needed a, more, you know, a complexity or... Um, like Banuk for me is incredible ripe fruit, like melons and papayas and that. But mm. that alone, it just, it wasn't interesting enough for me. Okay. That's why I hence look for higher altitude, different things that I could build, build bring to the blend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Make okay. it a little bit more interesting, cool, compelling. Cool. Yeah. But why Chardonnay from, from the beginning? What, what? Well, back to the Libri thing. I yeah, just, yeah, I, okay. I fell in love with it, with working okay. with it there. So mm. I, I think it's also in your past vintages, also in Margaret River, I had, had a lot of fun working with Chard mm -hmm. there too. They've got beautiful expressions of Chard around Margaret River, yeah. Yeah, right. Cool, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then Cabernet Franc. Cabernet Franc. Yeah. Amazing, amazing varietal, mm. especially for South Africa. I think it's, it's something that is a lot of people are a bit more interested in, mm -hmm. especially just your, your general consumer uh, mm -hmm. starting to show interest in it. And we've got some great sites for, yeah. for Cabernet Franc. Tricky to find the right ones because greenness is always an issue, as you know. But found a particular site in the Lower Helderberg and mm -hmm. initially experimented with a, a site above Taibosh, um, mm -hmm. heavier clay soils, higher altitude, and then decomposed granite on the... Above Taibosh, in the clouds. In the clouds, basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, incredible spot. But just found that for the style I was looking for, with, I prefer my reds with more, uh, more red fruit expression. Yeah. It was just too much towards the black fruit expression. There was okay. a bit of herbaceousness. With those clay soils, huge vigor in the canopy, quite difficult to, to manage. Okay. Yeah, whereas yeah, on yeah, the decomposed yeah. granite, I just found the vineyards were just a lot more balanced, easier to manage. Yes. And getting a maritime influence, which was okay. cooling fantastically. And I could, you pick sort of um, late Feb, whereas that high altitude clay soil site we were picking in April. 
They get yeah, nervous wow. starting to pick in April and we've got rain coming and there's yeah, all yeah. sorts of other factors that come into play with yeah, late yeah. pickings. Yeah. And then obviously the herbaceousness in Cabernet Franc, I feel like Cabernet Franc gets a bit more of a leeway, a bit more of a, a bit more rope. People um, expect it almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more forgiven, I suppose. Mm, at what point for you, if you can describe it, does it get too much? If you're looking at a wine or fruit or a ferment, what do you... So I'd say your aspect is an important thing. So mm -hmm. if you have sort of east-facing slopes, southeast, it's almost mm. too cool. You're going to be picking late. It's hell of a difficult to mm. get around that herbaceousness. But so, on, the, on the palate, what do you sort of, what's, how do you decide what is to so, vegetal and what's, what's, yeah. what's, what's lovely so herbal? Within, what, what, the, within what, the spectrum what of, of herbaceous, mm. I'm looking for more like the Oregano rosemary mm. as opposed to anything that has pyrazine in. Okay. Yeah. So pyrazine's your... Pyrazine, I want to okay. steer clear of like tin peas, any of those characters that start coming into, into the, the foreground, I, I yeah. want to steer clear of, yeah. Okay. And it, this, this particular site in Hildeberg is giving beautiful red fruit expression with this hint mm. of like Mediterranean herbs, which yeah. I love the marriage of that, yeah. And are you making the Cabernet from like you are making the Divergent with the, with the Cabernet or is there yeah, so, more Cinso-ish? So, like are you doing some whole bunchy stuff in there as well? Uh, or? No whole bunch. Sure. Uh, also back to look at the vineyard, look at the stalks, where am I feeling comfortable? And yeah. I am picking fresher, so I don't okay. want stalks near that, that Cab Franco, a little bit too nervous. Okay. Um, with greenness, I, I, it's something I should, it's, it's a good suggestion. It's something I could trial in a bin and just see how, how that works out. But my gut is telling me. Yeah, well, no, that's, yeah. 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 See, yeah. You know, we have to work quite extensively with uh, canopy management. In November, December, we, we come in and strip a few times. Okay. Um, get through the leaves, get enough um, sunlight into the, um, the again, bunch. There. Again, to try and sort of ward off those pyrazines. Any of those, yeah. those characters, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool, you cool, know, cool. And the block is shared, so, um, and we try to pick at the same time, so... Uh, whereas Christy, who shares a block with me, wants to pick slightly riper, I want to pick slightly fresher. So mm. we manage the canopy around how we make our wines too, okay. yeah, which is which is really cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you're not and you're not sort of managing the canopy in your section. You're doing the whole block together and. Or... Yeah, it, it, it's it's tricky because yeah. a portion of it goes to Dale for the rosé. So oh, that yes. gets, gets yeah, picked yeah. super early, and then so we've yeah, isolated yeah. our rows and we we do our own thing, which is which okay. is really great. All right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Nice one. Awesome. And then we we glossed over the fact that. You know, you are a Wilson, but your the label says Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you said your dad was involved. Dad was involved right at yeah. the beginning. Or so is involved, though, I No, guess. no, 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 still no. is, still yeah. is. Um, yeah. uh, he helped uh, get Hogan onto its feet, mm. and uh, it's, I run with it now, but it's, it's just it's lovely to have mm. your father involved, a family member, and no, uh, cool. someone to bounce business mm. concepts off. And, yeah. Yeah, and obviously, he's had a long career in distribution, and mm. yeah, he's, he's been around the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very cool. <laughs> Yeah, loves his wine, uh, drinks mm. a little bit too much of my wine, uh, mm. <laughs> digs into my profits, but mm. it's all good. Um, um, I mean, we're on your, obviously, your uh, husband's family farm, now obviously your family mm. farm, um, right next to Oldenburg. Is, have you got tempted to, to plant vines here, or is it all taken up by proteas and plums? Yeah, obviously they take preference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they make the cash. Yeah, <laughs> they make the cash, yeah. Not the passion project, yeah. Mm. Um, yes, so, so that is, is the long-term goal. It would be okay. lovely. We, we have looked at a couple of spots on the farm where we could possibly plant. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a full-time mom as well, so children are a factor. Yeah. So it's like a slow growth. The thinking with Hogan mm. was, you know, take on what I can manage. I still want to be around children and family. So as the kids get a bit older towards high school years, when I've got a bit more time on my, on my hands, I want to manage those vineyards myself. So okay. I don't want to subcontract to someone else. I yes. want to be there for the yeah. whole process. Yeah, yeah. So, but to be able to do that, you sort of have to start planning them now, wouldn't you, or not? Even in the planting process, Dave, I don't yeah. want to hand that to someone oh, right. else. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I want it to be in a space in my life where I'm, I'm fully ready Dedicated. to take it on yeah, okay. and be able to still get to my marketing, my winemaking. My, mm -hmm. And I think one has to be cautious not to take on too much. I've, yeah, right. Something I've burnt my fingers with a few times with babies and crushing yeah, yeah, grapes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You, you just yeah, yeah. Man, take on what you can manage. Okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. So that, that is, yeah. it's on so the back burner. exciting future though. <laughs> and looking towards Cab Frank, I think we are west-facing our slopes, so... Mm -hmm. I'm confident that we'll get enough sunlight, it'll be warm enough, I won't be having to have to pick in April. Yeah. Also shard. Because um, Benrock's got a lot of different aspects oh yeah. to it. On Absolutely. this farm, what's the major aspects of it? Is it west? So, is it, um, or, or is it yeah, just predominantly space? west, okay. um, a little bit southwest uh, um, on the curvature of the, the slope. Mm -hmm. um, also on the foothills, I, I wouldn't mind playing around with a bit of gamay. Okay. Yeah, but okay. I, I must take it easy, you know, not another baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think there's great potential for gamay um, okay. in South Africa. Um, um, and I think on 
the sandier soils because it is a hell of a fertile grape. You want to manage that fertility. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't mind trialing some of the stuff close to the river okay. and just see what happens there. So yeah, that's cool. sort of what's in the, the back burner for, some, some, for Hogan. Some stuff churning yeah. away in the, yeah. in, in, the, in the gray matter. In the brain box. Yeah, then we can go full whole bunch with the with the oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, full full. <laughs> we'll have issues there. <laughs> full madness, cool. Yeah. And um and, and otherwise, what's outside of Bunhook for Hogan? What's the Yeah, obviously the addition of the, the floor wine. Yeah. Uh, the wine called the Lift was hugely exciting um, mm. for me. Um, in 2003, in my student years, I spent some time in Andalusia. Mm-hmm. I went over with a housemate and we did a bit of work and we traveled and just tasting some of the sherries uh, from Areth, I just fell madly in love. But mm. more fino, um, manzanilla, that, that sort of style, the lighter yes. uh, forms of sherry. Uh, where, where the floor is aged ones, yeah, yeah, completely yeah. biologically aged, no yeah. oxidative aging. Um, really, really love those styles. And I knew at some stage in my career I'd love to dabble in that. Um, and then just with Bernard Bradell and Samantha Suddens and those projects going on and a few people dabbling in it, I thought, okay, mm. no, if, when I do find the time, I would love to, to give it a crack. Mm. So in um, 2021, I managed to get hold of some of Bernie Bradell's um, mother culture. He very kindly gifted me some of his culture and inoculated a barrel after ferment, after mallow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's just see how it goes. Um, but then by uh, September, I was really worried about this barrel because the floor layer hadn't developed effectively. You know, sort of it dies off a bit over, over winter and yep. then by September it, it sort of re-flourishes. Okay. And oh, I just thought, no, I just, there's no hope for this. Um, mm. I don't think it's going to work. Where were you doing this? Were you doing this at? At, at, at Zorkley Cellar. Uh, okay. They're and fully how, informed. How, the, how are they feeling about this? <laughs> no, they were cool. Like, <laughs> our cellar hygiene practices are in place. Uh, okay, so right. we, we, Is that one of the reasons why it maybe wasn't pumping? Is possibly, that, because it, yeah. in, in cases when it's too hygienic, it's, it's very hard to yeah. grow. So I'm, I, it's difficult to pinpoint what exactly you need uh, to mm. grow floor. And in, in chatting to other makers who work with floor, mm. there is no hard and faster what works yeah right yeah I, I do this, think yeah. um maritime yeah, yeah, yeah maritime can play a role mm. and i just see where uh, bernie's cellar is in the hilderberg mm. and proximity and knowing it's so close to the ocean i mean you can almost yeah. feel those breezes off the sea yeah and thinking well, the, the, of Andalusia I mean, and the earth is you know they're, they're, yeah, no, it's, close to the, it's a huge part yeah. in, in in their floor mm. um layers and how they how effective they are so I think it is something I will have to inoculate every year, very kindly from Bernie. I okay. give him a lot of wine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so then looked back in about November, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to chuck this barrel. It's just, it's too oxidative. It's not enough of the, the floor mm. characters coming through. But September, that layer just bounced back completely yeah, and re-looked at it in November. With just the weather and, change? Just uh, when it I think just, yeah, with, with spring. Just, yeah, it, slightly it, warmer, yeah. Uh, better for the floor. Mm. Um, and I remember looking at it with you, maybe, I think it was maybe November, mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa, you know, the, uh, and you hadn't seen what it was before, no. and yeah. to where it had gone, I was just blown away. And I had some older vintages of my Shannon's early pickings, it's always a bit over, you know, I use it to top, and you know, the fresh picking at about uh, yep. 20 bricks. Um, and almost like an acid base, just in Yeah, base, and, and, of, and yeah. I had one particular barrel, which was a combination of 18, 19, and 20, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a Solera barrel in, in effect. Mm-hmm. So. I just, I found this floor barrel alone, just the, the character of the floor a little bit too overpowering for me for yes. my first shot at possibly bottling a floor wine. Mm-hmm. So played around with the different portions of Shannon that I had in the cellar, these earlier picking portions from different vintages, mm-hmm. and just adored the Solera barrel combined with the, the floor yes. barrel of 2020. So did my trials and blended these together and was just really chuffed with how that worked out. Okay. Um, so this vintage I've, I've done the same thing again. Mm-hmm. I've got a floor barrel and the nice thing is that that floor barrel will be identified and hopefully the culture will just, I won't have to inoculate every uh, year. Okay, it, right, you can yeah. self-inoculate, almost like a... Yeah, a, it's, a, it yeah. resides within the barrel to a yeah. certain extent, yeah. Almost so, like a, sort of like a, a sourdough sort of Kind of, style. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That'll be an ongoing project, whether it's going to work every year is purely up to how effectively the, the, the floor develops and, yeah. and how much shinin is available. And you know, obviously with the drought years that we've experienced, 16, 17, 18, yeah. Um, your tonnages are down that there isn't always availability so mm. Hogan Shinnan is always the, the focus and yes. the, the floors are experimental and fun and just uh, yeah. something to dabble with that I'm enjoying. Um, so it was called The Lift, mm. it was a non-vintage wine obviously, it was, was, it la- it was shape- labelled Shinnan Blanc wasn't it? Or it was labelled Shinnan Blanc, yeah. yeah. How did yeah. you how did you get it labelled as Shinnan Blanc, like certified? 
as as a multi vintage <laughs> well, part of it. I, I mean, it's, I, you know, the, the, the I'm, floor. I'm very good friends with the uh, <laughs> the, the, the Simus guys. Yeah, yeah the one yeah. spirit sport. Yeah. yeah. So there, there wasn't a proper category that it could fit yeah, into. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. So because so I hadn't fortified, you know, so mm. it's in effect, it's 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 a still dry wine. Yes. So in chatting to the other floor makers, they were like, yeah. if your floor characteristic is subtle, it can get passed as a a dry white wine. Yes. The, and and but it's, did they taste it? They did not, yeah. yeah, because of lockdown, it, yeah. it wasn't tasted. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'm <laughs> curious to see if they, they open up the tasting panels again, how, uh, how you go. Yes, so but in chatting to Samantha and Ryan with mm. their, their smiley label, they mm. said they declared it as a, a, a still dry wine, white mm. wine. And when the panel did have issues, they'd call them in and they would explain what had mm. happened with the wine. And even in, in, in a lot of their cases, the, the floor character was quite dominant. Yes. And with enough explanation and what is happening in the process, they they would they would pass the wine as a uh, okay. as a dry white wine. Okay. So um, as of now, there is no other categories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not alternative white wine. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. I just don't fit the requirements yeah, of alternative yeah. white. There's no skin contact. I, I forget. I went through the list is quite vast of what is required for yeah, alternative yeah. white, but I just yeah. do not fit that category. And sulfur numbers and all that. Yeah, sort of stuff. No, no, and yeah. obviously I'm adding a portion of older non-vintage wines that had to have sulfur. Oh, so multi-vintage. Yeah, multi-vintage. Yeah, I should say <laughs> multi-vintage. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I couldn't be below a total of 40 on those older wines. So yeah. unfortunately, it just didn't just fit there either. <laughs> Okay. So we'll see. We'll cross yeah. the bridge this but, year. I mean, yeah. If there's precedence, hopefully that means that... Uh, Maybe we can make a category for... It'll be, well, no, I mean, but if, I mean, you don't need, really need to if it if it gets passed, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the time yeah. will come when it yeah, doesn't, so true. we'll yeah. see what we do then. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll be so successful you have a lot of copycats and they'll be forced to... We'll have a whole festival uh, for these style of wines. But that'd be very cool. Good. And so, Absolutely. I mean, the floor side of things, is it something you're going to explore with more or are you sort of... What's your feeling um, right now? I'm not going to ask you to sign in blood, mm. but just what's your what's your current thinking on it? I, I love it on the Shannon. I mm -hmm. think it's. I don't think it's necessary to go as far as trying to find Palomino to do it. I think mm -hmm. Shannons are great. It's 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 expressive of South Africa. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's something unique too. We I'm, I'm not trying to imitate Spanish floor wines. It's it's our yeah, version yeah. of it and experimenting in that field. Mm -hmm. So I'll continue and possibly grow it. It would be quite nice to have an official Solera system going on. Yes. So I've, I've yeah. got this averaging out of, of those vintages within yeah. a few barrels. So that's kind of the next goal. It yeah. sounds like you're going to enjoy doing those calculations as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and explain to Sarvis what the yeah, hell yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so what is this crazy yeah. Engels lady doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. No, very exciting. And red wines? What are you? What else are you doing there? Are you, yeah, are you, are you, um, are you, obviously the Gamay and the, the project on the farm here. Well, possible Gamay. possible project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could happen. Um, growing the Cab Franc. I mean, the, the response yeah. to that wine has been fantastic. Okay, great. Um, That's great. Working well for me. I'm finding markets for it. Uh, Richard Kelly in the UK mm -hmm. adores the wine, and oh, uh, right. lovely yeah. to have him representing it. So, and he's like a, a big Loire yeah, nut. So yeah, he's, he Loire, he'll, so. he'll have all of the his fellow sort of Cabernet Franc lovers onto it, which is great, yeah. Really, really great job. But now it's great, I mean, the Cabernet Franc situation in, in South Africa is is growing. Obviously there was Prevere Arts, who was pro, who was the sort of... Oh, the, yeah, the startup of the whole He was the bow of the wave, wasn't yeah. he? The, um, he really then, flies the flag for it well yeah, for South Africa, and then, yeah. you know, Lucas van Lachrenberg and uh, Warwick, and now Nick has, you know, made some wine at Oldenburg. Yeah, some beautiful um, examples and too. And yourself, who else are we looking out for um, with sure. Cabernet Franc? Um, Rainbow's End make a beautiful example too. Okay. Um, it is in a riper style, but there's definitely a market for that sort of style. But tricky, as I say, on, on Western Stopes, Bannock is a little bit cooler, but yeah. in the years that they nail it, it, it really is mm -hmm. incredible stuff. And obviously Nick next door at Oldenburg, mm -hmm. they're investing a lot in Cab Franc too. So yes. I think it is, it's a good varietal for Bannock and yeah. you're going to get a lot of different site expression with our different slopes and the soils vary quite dramatically too. I see, what you've, done, I see what you've done there. You've recommended two places next to you. Ah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, they're just over the river so I get yeah, to yeah, taste yeah, them yeah. quite. Yeah. 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 So our fingers on the pulse. Okay, there. And cool. obviously, obviously Helderberg. I mean, yeah. yeah. To um, the Tybosh. What do you think yeah, of Tybosh? Have you tasted that wine? I haven't tasted the wine yet, but I okay. know the Cordoba wines backwards. So yeah, yeah, spent okay. a lot of time waitressing at 96 Winery Road okay. in my varsity years. Mm -hmm. So got exposed to those vineyards and what is being made from that farm. Mm -hmm. Incredible stuff. Helderberg is a great, great spot. For yeah, Cab cool. Franc. Obviously, obviously, I'm getting grapes from there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that also helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's part uh, of the reason why you're getting grapes from yeah. there. Yeah, so yeah. if I'm correct, Lucas is, is Stellenbosch too for his Breton. Um, and yeah, he's doing a great, great job mm. of that. Yeah. yeah, and I think he's what Lucas has done. I mean, obviously, uh, Brevere sort of 
you know, opened the account with Cabernet Franc, and then Lucas sort of opened up with a slightly different take on it. Mm-hmm. And so it's broadened the appeal. Because, I mean, obviously, Prevert's wines taste like Prevert's wines as yeah. much as they taste like Cabernet Franc. Mm-hmm. And Lucas's wines taste like Lucas's wines as much as they taste like Cabernet Franc as well. So I think it's been great to have the diversity of style in Cabernet Franc start to develop. And I think, yeah, we're at the, only the beginning, the very beginnings of that as well. Absolutely. So, no, it's cool. Yeah. And Chardonnay-wise, how much are you drinking locally? What do you, or do you drink mostly uh, non South African Chardonnay. What's your what's your what's your poison there? I adore Chablis. Uh, anything okay. from Chablis, just like yeah, okay. the raciness and the, uh, the mm. banging acid is just divine. Okay. You know, love the energy. But my heart's in Vouvray on on white Savonnet. All right. Oh, just uh, that's for whites. That's my, my okay. go-to. If I can okay. just drink bucket loads of Savonnet, I'm a happy okay. lady. Yeah, right. Okay. Fantastic <laughs> <laughs> energy. Yeah. Yeah, in a, in a Note for future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and then white blends. I mean, for personal drinking, I mean, uh, yeah. John's Rocking Horses just like my go-to it just as a foodie wine it just ticks all the boxes mm. really love that yeah, mm. yeah cool, i mean not that i'm going to be heading into white blends but i just so enjoy drinking south african white blends yeah yeah category that's just sort of so underrated and we do so much work yeah. marketing it and it yeah, just never gets just, there oh. yeah but it's i think it's, it's i think it's because obviously it's it, it most of them are based around shannon not all of them but the vast majority have some sort of shannon component yeah and I think for the rest of the world, that's almost like blending away, like Riesling or Pinot Noir. I mean, it just, Shannon doesn't, it's, it's not as a, in the psyche of wine, in the world of wine, it doesn't, it's not a blending variety. It's not like Cabernet or Merlot or Syrah or Grenache or Semillon or Sauvignon Blanc, mm-hmm. even. It's, it's seen as a, a single varietal variety, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I think I think people just lose their minds a little bit oh, when they say, yeah. oh, no, put it in a bit of Viognier and a little bit of Chardonnay Why in would there. you do that? Yeah, so what it. the fuck? Why are you spoiling? <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's, it's like going up and say, oh, I had this delicious Pinot Noir, so I chucked some Merlot in it as well. But, well, why would you do that? You know, like, <laughs> so I think I think that's where we're at. Getting from, their head around yeah. that, that yeah. concept, yeah. But it works. It, it forms a beautiful base, no, no, the, and, uh, with no, all these other little things that you chop no, up with absolutely. and play with, no, the, yeah. The, the, um, the results are in the glass, for sure. And the floor stuff, are you still drinking a bit of sherry, or what are you... Yeah, and it's it's tricky to get hold of good sherry in South Africa, um, especially you know done in wine format like I'm doing. You know oh, that, yeah, yeah. that I only get to taste on my travels. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, when we can travel again, I, mm-hmm. I hope to only fill up my suitcases flat out. Yeah, right. yeah you'll be clinking on the way through the airport. Yeah, because yeah. you, you never ever get to see Onrama or anything you know that, that's mm. specialised. Uh, Pala Cotados are, are quite hard to get hold of. Yeah, um, I mean yeah. Pala I'll get hard to get hold of regardless. Mm. Absolutely, much, yeah. You know, yeah. So uh, that's the tricky part sometimes in, in being in South Africa, as you know, just we don't necessarily have full exposure to mm. everything we'd like to taste. So I think that's changing though now. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the the price of South African wine is going up um, mm-hmm. every year. Um, obviously inflationary pressures, but also just quality pressures as well. I mean, the, the quality has increased dramatically. And we're now getting to the point where, especially European wine is competing quite reasonably at the top end of South African wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're going to start seeing more and more, especially European wine being imported in, into South Africa. Yeah, I'd hope so. Fact, It'd be know. great. I really if, you would. Know, at 600 rand a bottle, you can actually get a, you can get a really good South African wine and you can get a really, 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 you know, really reasonably good European commerce wine. You know? yeah. so, and as the wine culture here matures, people will want a more diverse range of things available. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, at the moment in South Africa, there are sort of you know two or, th- or three or four main white varieties, if it's even four, mm-hmm. and then what five, maybe six varieties of red. Yep, and that's it. You know, People don't like to step out of their, their comfort zones to use. Also, there's, there's, there's no options because I mean that's mm-hmm. what's planted. So, yeah. um, and then obviously the regionality differences are starting to come through. And but yeah, if you say if you want a, a really great Sauvignon, you need to go to Sauvignon to buy one. You know, there's no equivalent wine in South Africa. You'd get close, maybe sort of something like um, Radio Lazarus was something mm-hmm. that was getting close to that sort of that sort of style of wine. But if you want that sort of cut and thrust, then you have to go there. Absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see how that... Uh, but that lovely seeing up. the culture, like little Joburg wine bars, what's 100%. going on there with no, for sure. the floor wine bar, yeah. Mr. Pants. Um, yeah, I mean, imagine trying to do your floor thing in, you know, in 2000. Seven when you when oh you, no, in, no. In people would have I mean, laughed at me. Yeah, and that's only fourteen years ago. Yeah, absolutely it's, it's, nuts. It's, it's amazing how how quickly the the culture's changed and how how much has developed and how South African wines wines have found a market not only in South Africa but the world. I mean, that's obviously what's funding a lot of it. I mean, how much how much percentage wise 
um, do you export? You know, it varies from year to year, obviously, day by half. Yeah, around about 70% of yeah, okay. export, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if that, if that didn't exist, then I think Hogan would be a very different beast in terms of the, the wines you'd be making and, you know, yeah. the price points and the volumes you'd be doing. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy how, how um, things change and, and they continue to change. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting if we're going to sit here in 14 years' time. Yeah, if we've moved and this listen, fast, and listen, can you imagine and where we go? And to what we've spoken about today and just sort of giggle at ourselves this at our naivety. Call. And, uh, fantastic, yeah, yeah, fantastic for that purpose, your podcast, yeah. so that we can come back and yeah, yeah. look in 14 years. What did we say 14 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. what were we thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, going to be yeah. fun. <laughs> and in, are you, uh, in terms of climate change, are you sort of thinking about definitely, that? Definitely, that something definitely. Something on, in the sort of back burner I mean, people looking at Greek varietals, I mean, uh, something like Chino Mavro, I discovered recently and just absolutely adore, and oh. it's grown in quite warm areas of Greece. Things like Carignan, to possibly even look at bottling a straight Carignan one day, but I've also, like I keep saying, I want to slow myself down. <laughs> but it, it is, like, we need to be thinking along those lines because it is shifting, it's changing. Yeah. Uh, just weird, like, from year to year, how we have these like, four years of drought, and now we're in this you know, rain over our, our growing season and yeah. it just, it's, it's all sort of up in there. You can't quite predict what's going on. Yeah. So do you have to protect against not only heat, but also sort of a wetter growing season? Is Definitely. It, is it I think that's more tropical. Yeah. For South Africa, we, we are seeing yeah. rain at the incorrect times. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, that's personally what I'm seeing. Or you just, you're having to have to, especially like on your, in your cabs with um, rain in, in March. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a tragedy that really, really makes it tricky for us, rain over that, that period. And then now, you know, um, during um, flowering set, wind, rain, you know, those are all things that are, need to be considered, mm. yeah. Um, it's interesting how there has been a sort of a flourishing of new, as you say, independent producers mm. over the last 15 years, yeah. I suppose? 10 to 15, yeah. I'd say, yeah. 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 I mean, obviously you're part of that. How's that experience been? Mm. It's phenomenal because mm. it, it's, it's having the confidence to branch off and know that you'll have the support and that the the world will appreciate what you're doing and, and see it in a light way. Um, yeah, absolutely, we respect small independence. And through support of peers, you know, speaking like from university, uh, the guys I studied with to, you know, just someone to pick up the phone and uh, bounce ideas off. Yeah. You don't see it in every industry um, of wine, particularly. Um, we have traveled, uh, sometimes people can be secretive. They they don't want to let you taste what's in your cellar or yeah, you know, right. yeah, yeah. share a mother culture of floor, you know, that is just, yeah, yeah. or share blocks, how we, we work with different vineyards and compare ideas and try and help the farmer as much as we possibly can mm. keep those vines in the ground. Uh, those collaborations are so, so awesome. And I think unique to South Africa. Yeah, um, no, it's very cool. It's, it's something that I've seen, I've noticed here more than other parts of the world um, is that sort of the cohesion you know, everyone's on the same side, relatively. I mean, obviously, you know, up until the point it's in the bottle. Then <laughs> <laughs> the gloves are off. No, no, no. Uh, no you know, just things like no, that. if someone's no, looking be... for an importer here, there's a gap in the market for this. Yeah. Pick but up the phone. My friend makes this. Yeah. How can we help each other? I think yeah. it helps because pre-pandemic, you were, a lot of you were traveling together in terms of on marketing trips. So, you know, that's not going to work if... You know, there's a bit of no, no, you know, aggression not. or tension or, you know, jealousy or, well, yeah, there's probably a little bit of jealousy, but it's not, you know, it's not expressed in um, vindictive behaviour. Never, you know, never like, do. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's fully uh, the support. I'd say 99% of us get along really well. Yeah. Obviously, from time to time, there's, there might be a, a small scuffle, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's yeah. tidy. But and, it, it, and it's, it is a pretty tiny industry, so that shit yeah. sorts, tends to sort itself out pretty quickly. <laughs> totally, you know, it doesn't totally. fester for very long. Yeah. That's very cool. All right, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, doing this again in 14 years' time. <laughs> <laughs> no, we should narrow it down to maybe like six or seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 seems yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're going to be pretty grave by then, Dave. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. No, cool, man. Jocelyn, thank you very much. Great pleasure, Dave. Really, really fun. Cool. Thank you.